0: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. For everything. For For everything Indy. For everything Colts. It's the Blue Horseshoe Now. now. Here's your host, George Bremer and Ryan Hickey. And welcome into the Blue Horseshoe Podcast. Ryan Hickey and George Bremmer here with you. A Blue Horseshoe Podcast after dark as we are recording just minutes after the Colts just get smoked by the Cowboys, 54-19. If you kind of hear a little laugh in my voice, George, at this point, you just got to laugh to just hide the pain because <laughs> that was, that fourth quarter, boy, oh boy, it just, you talk about unraveling. It was ugly, ug, ugly, and totally wiped out what was a solid
1: three quarters for this team. Yeah, I think once they got down two scores, that was going to be the fear because once that Dallas defense could just pin it two years back and come after the quarterback, uh, you saw the results. Turnovers left and right, and, and the Cowboys just racking up points, scoring, I think, 33 points in the fourth quarter, which was a franchise record, I believe. Uh, honestly, I was having flashbacks to that 2011 game in New Orleans. Uh, where the Saints just absolutely steamrolled the Colts. I think that was the one that actually ushered in the flex scheduling. I I don't know that for a fact, uh, but the timing seems pretty close there. uh, That that That's when the league decided they needed the right to to get out of some of these contests. Probably some execs wishing they'd done that this week, uh, but they got a good football game for three quarters, uh, and then everything fell apart in biblical fashion in the fourth quarter.
0: Let's, let's play a little game here, George, because yeah, it's late. This Colts team stinks. The season's lost their 4-1, and one, so let's just have a little fun at this point. What is more unbelievable to you, the fact that the Cowboys rattled off 33 straight points, let alone on the fourth quarter, or the fact that the Colts finished the game? You ready for this? this is their final five drives of the game here uh, after the Cowboys scored a touchdown and kind of go up two scores. It was fumble, Moelle Cox fumble, scoop and score, touchdown. Interception. Interception fumble, kneel down, end the game. That was their final five drives of the game all in the fourth quarter, either a turnover or a kneel down. What, what is more, I guess, shocking uh, in your minds? I don't know.
1: I, I I can't say it's shocking that the Colts turn the ball over a bunch because they've done it all year. I mean, this was the worst performance of it, but that's that was – I mean, when you were just reading that off to me, that's the season in a nutshell, you know, just uh, unforced errors – dropping the ball, throwing the ball to the other team, missed assignments. Um, if you look at the things that you need to do to win in the NFL on offense, so protect the football, be good on third down, finish drives in the red zone. The Colts don't do any of them well.
0: Have explosive plays. I would add Have that Have explosive too. plays. Yeah, you're yeah, right. Would be they another big one up here. are last or dead or close to dead last in almost every single category just rattled off, which means the Colts offense is not very good. And you saw that, like I said, even, even some bright spots, again, like it's what we're talking about all season long, the bright spots, even on offense, we have some nice drives, like their their first touchdown drive of the game. I think you tweeted, I saw a few other people talking about as well. That was arguably their best drive of the the season. It was a fish. I believe it was five plays and moved down the field. Matt Ryan was looking good. Jonathan Taylor had a nice run or two as well. And then it's just, Totally disappears. You don't see it again. And like I said, the turnover bug comes out and you have four straight possessions with a turnover somewhere. The Colts finish with five turnovers. Um, most turnovers in the league. They have 30 fumbles this season. 30 fumbles, George, through 13 games. There is, a, I guess, one good news here uh, or good tidbit here. I guess we can talk about going forward for next season. Whoever the head coach is, there is no chance. No chance the Colts will be as bad when it comes to turnovers next year as they are this year. It just has to get better because it frankly can't get any worse.
1: Yeah, I mean I'm not gonna say no chance because I've lived through this year and I just <laughs> don't know if that that phrase even exists anymore for me. Uh, but you, the, the the probabilities are are so far in favor of this improving. 26 turnovers, I think it is right now on the season. 30 fumbles is just astronomical i mean that's that sounds like a setting is off on on Madden. i mean that doesn't even sound like a real number yeah. something that would happen um but that's uh, that's been this team in a nutshell the the offense is is as inefficient as any offense I, I can remember uh and for any number of reasons you know at times i think it was the offensive line early they've actually been playing better the last month or so uh but it just it, it nothing matters the quarterback makes mistakes The receivers make mistakes. The running backs make mistakes. Um, I mean, the the Mo Alley-Cox fumble, he's just running on a screen for a first down and loses the football. I mean, that's, it's the mark of of a bad team. It's how you end up being 4-8-1. I mean, my, I guess my question to you is, you know, how was so many people so wrong about this football team? We're right at the top of the list. You know, we were talking about AFC South Championship, winning a playoff game, but we weren't alone. I mean, the the consensus was that this team was a playoff team at, at, at worst, uh, and here they are sitting four eight and one going into the bye week. How did so many people miss this so badly?
0: Uh, the, I hate to say I don't know. Like I'm just, I'm really trying to rack my brain here because it's just like everybody for the most part is underachieved. And like, I, I don't know what to attribute that to, like the Frank, like, cause again, like you make a coach a change of Frank Reich and Jeff Satter, they're playing similar, like they're playing at a similar level. It's not like one unit or one area has really been cleaned up or now all of a sudden they're, they're free. If you will, it's like, they have really been for the most part, kind of all consistent sorry, my ESPN thing was up again. Second time. I didn't learn the loss my first time. I'm sorry about that, George. I didn't learn anything from the first time. It's so just like the Colts offense, you know, or just like this Colts team. Why are we that's a great question. Why are we so wrong about this team? Because the offensive line stinks. Jonathan Taylor has had turnover problems himself. And again, maybe even, you know, some injury history uh, or some injury issues this year. Matt Ryan's been anything but as advertised, uh, especially when it comes to the turnovers. And it's like the frustrating part is you have a defense that, again, I thought for three quarters played really well on Sunday night against a good Cowboys offense. They've been the best unit on this team by far the entire season. We've talked about the development when they've gotten opportunities of Alec Pierce, and you see him make another big time play today. He has a touchdown. You know, Michael Pittman Jr. is a rock. Paris Campbell's having a career season. Jelani Woods is, you know, had his best career game on Monday night against the Steelers. So it's just like it, it's. I can't even give you an answer because there's areas where the defense I thought has played well, the skill positions, I think have gotten better consistently. And again, continue to get better as we go along when they've gotten opportunities. And it's just like, like, and it's like, they've even been bad in the clutch because even early in the year, when they are winning games, they're winning close games against the chiefs against the Jaguars. Like they are making plays in order. Like, I don't know. Like, I I hate to say, I don't know. I don't know why we are so wrong because it's just like, there's a million reasons, but also at the same time, you can't pinpoint just one overall theme. No, no, and I agree 100%, uh,
1: but I think what's interesting because I, on the broadcast, you know, they were mentioning that this roster is better than than you would think it would be coming into the game at 4-7-1, and one. and, you know, I was thinking they're not wrong about that, but the problems with this team is that the holes are at such important positions, and I think the two that come to mind the most because, I think we would all agree the offense is the biggest perpetrator here. You know, the defense has its moments. The fourth quarter, the defense quit today, it felt like. Uh, we were kind of talking about that off the air, and it, it's even kind of hard to blame them, the situations they were finding themselves in. Uh, but it felt like they kind of rolled over in the fourth quarter today. The offense, though, if if you're going to look for, you know, a culprit for this season and, and why it's been so disappointing, it begins with the league's lowest scoring offense. And to me, it's it's two most important positions on the field. Left tackle and quarterback. I mean, that's where I, if I had to answer why everyone was wrong, I think that's why your left tackle spot, Matt Pryor couldn't cut it. Bernard Raymond has been, you know, going through a, a hard knocks kind of, you know, school learning sort of thing or on
0: the job and rookie third round left tackle as advertised.
1: Right. And, and he's, and he's having the struggles you'd expect him to, and then you've got a quarterback in like Matt Ryan who was supposed to come in and I think kind of make the plays, uh, make the layups. I think that was the li- the line that, that, oh. that Chris Ballard had, and kind of stay out of you know the, the the trouble spots. And he hasn't been able to do that. Sometimes it's been on him, and I think sometimes it's been on the guys around him. I mean, he was supposed to have a running game today. It was mostly him, uh, but I think he was supposed to have a running game. You know, he was supposed to be able to come in and and not put on a cape hand off to Jonathan Taylor, make the few plays that need to be made, convert some key third downs, you know, finish drives in the red zone. And I think too often they, because of the way things have gone wrong all over the place, he's kind of had to go out there and be, you know, he had 58 passing attempts against the Jaguars. And when that was not the game plan, that was not the blueprint, you know? Um, and I, I think too often they've gotten away from that. And I just think those are the two areas. If, if I'm looking at next year, and in what you need to improve, those are the two positions to me that are by far at the top of the list.
0: I feel like, especially when it comes to like primetime games and everyone's watching, like sometimes you do kind of get to like some dramatic um, conclusions with this team. Like when we're asking, like, why had they failed so miserably this season? You know, like I said, we've been high on them coming into the year, and they've obviously fallen short. You're talking, about, you know, you're here. Mike Trujillo, Chris Collins are talking about the talent on this team, and it's not equating to the record that it should be compared to what you have talent-wise. I don't think it's – like, I don't think this team needs a rebuild, and that's the frustrating part is just, like, you look around. It's not like this roster is bad. They've played bad this year, and I don't – I hate using this phrase. So, for listeners, I apologize, but this is the best way I can describe it. This is just a bad year. But I, I think you – I think sometimes just the breaks don't go your way. Sometimes like it's just one of those years where you can't really figure it out where your best players regress and just have a, you know, a a stroke, you know, they struggle all season long. You can't really get the breaks go your way. And again, for the most part, the the breaks have gone against the Colts. They have a few wins uh, like again, that are close, but for the most part here, whether it's a bad turnover or a bad penalty we we talked about, and this offense has really been hampered by that, especially yes, you're hundred percent right left tackle quarterback are the two biggest um, needs to address. Those are not going to be fixed overnight. Clearly, I mean, you get a quarterback in the first round or not uh, in the upcoming draft, it's still going to take time to develop. But it's also at the same time, like I still do think the Colts don't have to tear it all down. I mean, they do, like a lot of their best players are still young. Sure, they have a few veterans that they'll probably have to move off of, whether it's free agency or trading them. But it's like you look around, like this is a roster that, again, I don't think they are that far away. Um, maybe not, you know, then definitely not next year when it comes to like you know, being a, a playoff contender, let's say, but it's like at the same time, Like, I, I think you can chalk this year up to just a bad year where some t- some good teams is just, is just inexplicable. Injury luck doesn't go your way. Turnover luck doesn't go your way. You just don't make the plays when you have to. We've seen coaching issues be a problem as well. Like, I do, uh, yeah, I just don't think this, this team, for the most part, like, this is a bad season and they've underachieved. I don't think that we have to press the panic button and say the next five years, They are in big-time trouble because this roster sucks. They have, like, no players they can kind of build around.
1: No, I agree. And I think, you know, there's plenty of evidence, I think, to support what you're saying. This team beat Kansas City earlier this year. They had Philadelphia on the ropes, and, you know, that that was one of those games that, like you're talking about, turnover luck, you know, play here, play there. uh, They win that game. And for three quarters today, they took it to Dallas in Dallas, which is not an easy thing to do. Uh, obviously, it came apart in in epic fashion. I think you could go back to me. The turning point was that near interception by by Isaiah Rodgers. A, a bad throw by Dak Prescott. A chance to to pick a ball off. You know, keep momentum and and keep things going. They don't pull in that ball, and Dallas goes on to score on that drive. And I think that's the first time they really went ahead by nine. Uh, you know, to to kind of push that lead into two score territory. It's funny how easy against a team like Dallas it can go bad that quickly, though. Like, I think you make that interception. It's probably a close game the whole way. But that one play, and I'm not blaming Isaiah Rogers for this. That's not (laughs) what I'm trying to set up. It's just that to your point, you know, how close this roster could be. You make that one play, and I think the entire fourth quarter is a different story. I don't think the Colts necessarily win the game, uh, but I don't think they lose it by 35 points either.
0: And it's, like, that's, like, I think, the most frustrating part of the season is just, like, also, too, when you do look at the construction, right, just go back to that point for a quick second, when, when you kind of talk about where do they go from here, they are going to need some more, like, playmakers in general. Now, you'll get that back with Shaq Leonard, obviously, next year, and that could be a huge game-changer for the Colts. When we talked about it all year, and again, you, you make the point just even with the Isaiah Rodgers, you know, near interception, this Colts team, like, they need everything to go their way, on the, or or if it doesn't go their way, they, they have a hard time overcoming that. Like that's the the mark of a great team. A great team is able to kind of still find ways to win even when they get a bad call or even when they you know get a, a play that's you know that's dropped. Like I was watching the Bengals Chiefs game earlier today, the the early in the I think this was the first half, you had Tyler boy drop a wide open touchdown pass, just dropped, flat out dropped it. You against most teams, against the Chiefs, you lose that game. The Bengals all are able to find a way later on in the game to kind of come back and win the game. It's like you just you need to have those kind of players to be able to make those plays in order to still rebound. And that's the thing with the Colts is they kind of need everything to go perfectly. And again, even where it's something so innocuous as just like a, a, a near interception, they don't get. It. It's like boom, then all of a sudden Dallas just goes right to the field, no problem, and then they go on a thirty-three nothing run, and then you know we're sitting here about a fifty-four to nineteen loss. When like you're right, if that if they make, if Isaiah Rodgers makes the play, maybe they're supposed to lose. But it's like, okay, maybe you lose by 7 or 10, not by uh, 35 points. And it's just like that's the most frustrating part about the season. That's just like we talk about the turnovers, which is absolutely a problem. And part of the reason why, you know, we're we're sitting here at 4-1. and But it's just like they just don't have the players right now to be able to overcome one bad – you know, they don't have the – I guess the erasers, maybe the word I'm looking for, on offensive defense – that is able to still like, oh, we didn't get this break. But we'll still find a way to win the game. And like, they, when you need everything to go your ways, we know, Georgia. and think it's part of the reason why this Colts team just, they'll hang tough for most of the game and they can't figure out a, we, uh, a reason to win.
1: That's why the quarterback position is so important in this league. I mean, most of the yes. things you're talking about, it comes down to quarterbacks. You know, Joe Burrow comes back and makes the play and the Bengals win this game. Um, this league right now, most games are really close. This, this that's why this, 54 to 19 game just you know is is a sore thumb sticking out because it's it's very rare you see anything like that happen in the nfl uh most of these games are coming down to what a handful maybe two three six plays think like jim caldwell always said there's six plays that determine every game um that's for the most part that's where it is and when you've got that quarterback under center who's that dynamic guy who can make these plays who can bring you back you just have a better chance of winning those six plays and therefore winning the game, the Colts, I mean, that's where they are. I think that's, I'm not breaking any news to anybody. I think everybody well is well aware, you know, that's the carousel they've been on since, since Andrew Luck retired. And I just don't know. That's going to be the big key. This offseason. Can you find a way to fix that? I don't have a lot of confidence that it's going to happen.
0: So we kind of wrap up here, George, let's talk about where they go from here. Again, I don't think a rebuild is needed. I know it's embarrassing. I know everyone wants to get fired. You want to hit the absolute reset button when you lose by 35 points on national TV. But like again, I, I do think patience here is needed. And like you said, you have to by far address in the draft or in the offseason somehow, even in a, a trade. We know Chris Ballard has swung, you know, some big trades. DeForest Buckner comes to mind as well a few years ago. Like, if you got to make a trade for a left tackle, you got to do it. But you're right, they have to find a way to truly address. Two of the most important positions in offense that have been, you know, right now holes. And like you said, two of the reasons why right now the Colts are sitting where they are at four and one. But I don't think it's any in terms of, you know, reset, break everything down, five year plan starting right now. It truly is, like I said, shoring up two positions that are critical for winning teams to have.
1: Yep. Yeah, I think it's that simple. You've got two of the most important positions on the field, the two most important in my mind on offense. And you've got to find answers there uh, in this offseason.
0: All right. We'll continue here on the Blue Horseshoe Pod uh, in a second. But when we do return, George, let's get into Matt Ryan. He was awful. He may have played, and this is this is tough. He may have played his, his worst game of the season this year. We'll get into his features for the Colts, Benjamin, and what will it look like under Jim uh, Jeff Saturday here going forward, uh, the final four games he has auditioning as a Colts head coach. We'll discuss kind of his feature when the Blue Horseshoe Pod does return. And welcome back into the Blue Horseshoe Pod. Ryan Hickey, George Bremer here with you live after the the Colts do lose to the Cowboys by a score of 54 to 19. Outscored 33 nothing in the second uh, in the fourth quarter, excuse me. It's the fourth quarter alone, which is something I've never seen before. The Colts finished the game four straight turnovers and then a kneel down all in the fourth quarter. So George, the main man for these out of the five turnovers the Colts had, four responsible for Matt Ryan Three interceptions, another fumble as well that outside of a Will Fries, lucky to kind of graze upon the defender, would have been a scoop and score. Um, And Matt Ryan was throwing ducks all game long. Is it time in your mind, with four games left as we enter the bye, to bench Matt Ryan and go a different direction, whether it's Nick Foles or Sam Ellinger, make another a second benching of Matt Ryan has to come for the Colts here?
1: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I think the bye week gives you a real chance to to do it. Um, I think now you've got that opportunity to, you know, kind of reset whatever you want to do, right? I think that's the one thing about the bye. It stinks when it comes this late in the year because there's not a lot of time to change anything, you know, for whatever changes you make to settle in. And obviously when you're out of it the way the Colts are, um, you're probably not thinking about the kind of changes that could send you to the playoffs, obviously. Um, And I think that's the interesting thing here because I don't know – I think Matt Ryan by far had his worst game um, on, on Sunday night. Um, you know, th- he was missing some throws even early in the game, missing some open receivers that that could have helped them uh, maybe even have a halftime lead. You know, if you're able to com- complete some of those passes, uh, that first interception right before the half is big because it, you're down by one and, and you're trying to, to move down, maybe get a field goal, take the lead in a locker room. At the very least, you're coming out. Uh, down just one point start second half and you know ball goes off Alec Pierce's hands but it's thrown high Malik Hooker, who absolutely destroyed his former team today comes down with the interception and the Cowboys end up going down and scoring and taking an eight point lead into the half which I think was a big that along with the the near interception by Isaiah Rogers I think are maybe two of the biggest moments in this game some of the fourth quarter turnovers I'm not that concerned about because the game was getting out of hand and you're just you're gonna take chances then it's not that big of a deal to me at that point uh, but I, I'm more concerned with, with the fact that he really didn't have I think At one point, he was like one for 10. And some of it, I mean, there yeah. were some drops in there and there were some other things that weren't going well. But he just wasn't playing well. My other feeling, though, is we've seen Sam Ellinger. I don't really know that there's a need to get him out there and see what he is. I feel like you saw enough of that in the two weeks that he was there. And you can throw Nick Foles out there. I don't... I guess I'm back to the point where I was earlier in the year where... I just don't think it's going to make a difference. Um, I think it's much more justified now at four, eight and one than it was at three, three and one. Uh, So I think if it happened this time, I I could see it a lot better. I just don't know. I don't think the quarterback of the future is on this roster, I guess is is what I'm trying to say in a long way. Uh, And that's where I would be really gung ho about, Hey, get, you know, get the youngster in there and get him some reps. I, I don't think, I don't think the next starting quarterback for the Colts is here right now.
0: I totally agree. I absolutely agree with that. With that said, I would bench him for two reasons. Number one, his arm just looks shot. Like, I really – I thought a lot of his issues last year in Atlanta was just the fact that the poor cast around him. Now, to Matt Ryan's, I guess, defense in a slight way, the cast he had in Atlanta last year, and the the, the way the Colts have played this year is not much different. But you watching that game, such sudden tonight. Like, he had three picks. He probably should have had six or seven. Like, he was just – he was putting the ball in harm's way as much as he possibly could. His arm had no velocity. I'll say this, George. Me, uh, my family. We had a football. We had our family football game earlier on Sunday. My uncle was probably at least forty-eight. Has to be so at least probably ten years older than Matt Ryan. He was throwing the ball more zip, more accuracy, better placement. You know, in, in the backyard here on Sunday than he was with Matt Ryan later. Uh, later on Sunday night. So maybe you know, if my uncle wants to play. I mean, man, I want to play behind his offensive line. But he might, you know, he'll give you a little extra zip. There you go, George for what we've seen from Matt Ryan, especially on, um, on Sunday night, but on a more serious note, it's also too, like, now you got to start thinking about next year, right? And Matt Ryan has injury guarantees where if he gets hurt and he can't pass physical, uh, physical, I believe it's March 3rd or whenever the new year starts, then the, all of his money is guaranteed. And I, the tough part here is I think I would still bring Matt Ryan back next year. Uh, especially if you draft a quarterback high, cause I think he's a good mentor. I think that's someone where even if the, the Matt Ryan doesn't play and if he's willing to kind of serve in that role, I think he'd be very beneficial to whatever quarterback the Colts do end up drafting. If they do end up drafting a quarterback in the first round. But that said, if your plan is just word one and done, he's out of here like it was with Carson Wentz, you can't risk the last four games here when he is he when he, you know, he's not playing well. The Colts season's over. You cannot risk him getting crushed behind this offensive line and all of a sudden being stuck with his with his money next year. Um and kind of having that hamper how you build the team. So I think just uh, you're right. Like we've seen Tim Miller, He stinks. We Nick Foles at this point, like it doesn't really matter because all three quarterbacks are not good. And, and the Colts are going to lose bare minimum through the next four. So honestly, at this point, I'm not really sure if it matters, but with that said, the reason why I, I just think it's this point, you got to give yourself as much flexibility for next year when it comes to cap wise as possible. And again, if Matt Ryan gets hurt and it's a bad injury, I just don't want that hanging over your head going into the offseason when it could have been easily prevented with four games left when you're four and one. Just sit him down, give him a break, give his body break, which I'm sure he would appreciate at this point, and just either play Sam Ellinger or Nick Foles. I really don't think it matters because both are not very good. No, None of the three are very good.
1: And I think that's, you know, I think that kind of bleeds into to sort of one of the other topics that we want to talk about, which is, you know, what what are you playing for now? I mean, we, we've talked before about playing out the string and, and how's this team going to respond and what are the stakes, you know, and that fourth quarter uh, obviously looked like the defense kind of just didn't have anything left. And, and again, that's understandable, but you know, how do you avoid that? How do you come back from this now? Because the next three games are against playoff contenders. You're going to face Minnesota, uh, the chargers and the giants. And two of those games are on the road. All three of those teams need those wins for various reasons. Minnesota's still in the race to try to get that that number 1 seed in the NFC. Uh so they, they can't take another loss especially with the Eagles playing the way they are right now. Uh you go and look at the Giants are are in a you know, a pretty tight race to see if they can get a wild card spot. Uh they need every win they can get to hold on to that. And then the Chargers I think are on the outside looking in right now. So, yeah, you know, they absolutely are going to come in here on on the day after Christmas needing a victory. Uh, probably in the worst way, uh, to stay into this playoff hunt for them. So, you know, uh, do you take the mindset now of spoiler? And and if so, do you play Matt Ryan for that reason? I mean, is is the goal from here on out, these next three weeks, you're not going to make playoffs yourself. You know that. But you can maybe knock somebody else out. You can make somebody else share your misery here. You can cost somebody else a victory in a postseason trip. If that's the goal, then I think you keep Matt Ryan in there. Uh, but if it's not, and I don't know that it is or should be, um, then I guess Ellinger's the way I would go. I wouldn't go to Foles. I don't see any, I just don't see any upside in that whatsoever. I don't see a lot of upside in Ellinger, but at least then you could say we gave him four games to, to kind of see if he could hold off, you know, us going and making a pick. You know, if you're the front office, that's your mindset. Um, It'll be interesting to see. You know, I think the Colts' only role the rest of the way out here can be to to play a spoiler.
0: And it makes you wonder too, like when you especially when you ask, what are they playing for the last four games here? It's just like sh- this is. I think this is going to be Jeff Saturday's hardest test. Now, again, I don't think he's going to get the job. But when he came in there, the first few days, everyone was shocked. Now they, they got the win over the Raiders. Now you lose through and row, You get embarrassed on national TV. You go into the bye. Like I said, you're facing now three more playoff teams. Like you just got basically the will beat out of you. And it's like, you see that, like, this team reminds me, or at least watch them, you see a lot of, like, Denver Bronco um, familiarities with Chris Park because the defense is so dominant and the offense is so, you know, it's so inept. Now, you don't have, obviously, the similar dynamic that, you know, the reports are about Russell Wilson, how much they hate him. But it's like you kind of see that the Broncos' defense get frustrated. You saw last week there was, you know, some guys snapping at Russell Wilson on the sideline. We have not seen that this year from the Colts' defense. And it, frankly, is a little surprising. I know they have a very high character guys, but at the same time, it's like when Matt Ryan's on there pick after pick and there's fumbles, it's like how do you not freak out when you're getting put on back on the field in bad situations? But it's just like I don't know how you're going to keep a guy and keep this locker motivated, George. Because no, that like, to me is the
1: biggest – yeah, that's the biggest test. You know, and honestly, defense has not played particularly well the last two weeks. They did a good job most of the day on Sunday, but there were a couple of drives even in the first three quarters where they let some things out that I'm sure they aren't very happy about. Now, that's going to happen when you play a team as good as Dallas, but I know that the defense has been at the level that it wants to be at. When I mean, we kind of talked about they're going to be on primetime, they get a chance to show the nation who they are. They didn't take advantage of that. No. I think these were two of their you know, worst games, honestly, defensively these last two weeks. Um, and I do think you're going to run into a, a spot with that unit in particular where – they're worn down. I, that's human nature. I, I don't know how long you can keep going out there and, and trying to you know hold teams to twenty points and still losing games. You know, I think that's it's it's frustrating to watch as a fan or as, as a media member. I can't imagine how frustrating it is to watch on the defensive side. Um, but again, I'm with you 100. I think you know Jeff Saturday was able to come in here and kind of bring some energy that first week and get some guys' attention now that we set time that has short shelf life that's definitely expired yeah what do you do now you know to motivate these
0: final four weeks do you consider shutting anyone down after the bye like it'd have to be key veterans that you're going to be like i got basically like of deforest buckner stature where he's still young he's still going to be here for a few years you know but i'll also say time he's going nowhere in the next you know few weeks of this team do you start to consider like it's just a shutdown and just like say, all right, put Matt right on the bench, you know, kind of empty it out a little bit. Like, especially with the buy, I think that that could be the time where you kind of start to scheme, like how can we get more young guys in and more inexperienced players in? It's like, what else, what else are you going to do?
1: I might try to play some more young guys in some key spots if I have some good questions about them. But I think I would hold off on that until week 18 for competitive balance. You know, like we're talking about, these next three opponents are playing for playoff positioning. and I think. Uh, the league will kind of frown on the Colts a little bit if if they if they take their foot off the gas too obviously, uh, with these next three weeks coming up. Not that they're necessarily going to cause a lot of problems anyway, but we've seen them do it. I mean, we've seen them knock off a Kansas City team. We've seen them take Philadelphia to limit. So it's not like it's out of the question that they could you know cause some problems for some of these teams in the next three weeks. That's I think I would wait till week eighteen, uh, simply because I think you owe it to the league and you, and you owe it to yourselves to, to try to do come out know, here and face they, playoff they, contenders at full strength.
0: Do they owe it to like, do they, do you, like, I don't know. I don't know if they owe it to the league to be honest. Like again, we're not saying like, like, they're not basically taking knees and just throwing the game or they're not even doing what the Eagles did a few years ago. They, they bench with a Jalen hurts and they put in like uh, wow. I forget his name. So oh, Nate Sudfeld from Indiana, of course, yep, Nate in the Sudfeld. second half and just, just tanking that up. But it's just like, at this point, like, I guess, like when, like when we talk about what are you playing for, and this is also, I think, part of the danger. By the way, George, when you make a change, this with so much time left. When you go to Jeff Saturday, and we talked about it when they made the move to Sam Ellinger, when you make a move of this stature, and then you go to two guys who are clearly not ready for the job. When you go to Sam Ellinger after uh, after the Titans' lost after Week Seven, when you go to uh, Jeff Saturday, going into I think it was what Week Nine or whatever it was, or going into Week Ten after the Patriots loss with no inexperience. Like that is so much time for like the the newness to the shininess to wear off and just their warts to be exposed on a big time level where it's just like that was part of the head scratching moves of both head coach and quarterback. It's If they did it now, it would make sense. Okay, fine. You got a month left. Throw Sam Ellinger out there. It's not that big of a deal. When you put him out, there were 10 games to go for a guy who's clearly not ready, clearly not the best option. So much can go wrong. It can get so ugly. And when you go to a head coach who has no experience, again, it worked after the first week, but now it's just, you know, three games or just got embarrassed in the fourth quarter national TV and you still have a full month to go. It's like, that's, I think the first, we are kind of really now, like you didn't really pay for too much in the beginning. Like now Jim Mersey, now the Colts, now even us, you know, as you know, yourself in the media, myself is just, you know, a fan and fans listening to this pod that's really where the price is being paid. Like this last month is truly where kind of the, you know, you go to pay the piper, if you will, for making these moves um, earlier in the year.
1: Absolutely. I agree with that 100%. I think this season fell apart to me when they benched Matt Ryan after seven games and then, you know, everything that followed, firing uh, Marcus Brady, trading Naeem Hines and firing Frank Reich. Uh, You did that at a time when you weren't in the position you are now. Uh, and had you waited until now, it would be a totally different situation. I'm with you 100% on that. I think that's part of why I'm kind of in favor of playing the next three games, though. I think two things that, that really, to me, they should play them straight up. One is the most important one in, in my mind, what you were talking about earlier. This is not a total rebuild situation. You're, you're thinking a lot of these guys are going to come back. So if you can find a spot, you know, naturally, maybe you put Nick Cross in instead of Rodney McLeod. I wouldn't be against something like that. You know, if you can find right. a spot naturally where you could get a younger guy who might be a bigger part of next year's roster in there and let them, you know, have a have a run. I think that works really well. Uh, but I think it's you could gain something with this group if you're able to, you know, put together three good games against playoff opponents. I don't expect that. I haven't seen him put three good games together in a row all year. I don't expect it to suddenly happen coming out of the bye. But I think it's the only thing you can take away. I guess as I'm trying in my mind to, to just grasp at straws, what can you do over this last month that can somehow help you in 2023, aside from making your draft pick better, which we'll talk about in a minute. To me, the only other thing is maybe get a little momentum and show these guys, hey, you beat Kansas City. You hung in there with Philadelphia. You had that three-game stretch against, you know, playoff quality opponents. Even if you lose those games, but you're right there. I don't know. I'm I, I'm I'm admittedly grasping at straws right now. That's the only thing I can come up with.
0: I have like this is the first time I got to really rack my brain here, George. This is the first time I just I feel like I just run out of things to say with this team. Like because it's the same thing over and over again. Again, they've been out of it so early that now it's just like. Where do we go from here? So let me just finish this on, on a lighter note, then George. Before we get to kind of some draft talk to finish up the pod, how do you spend the buy? Like you're four eight and one. If you're like, if you're a coach, like if you're Jeff do you really like, I you enjoying it? Like maybe okay, you haven't, you know, just because you're still so new, you can work at it. But if you're Matt right for any of these players, like I don't know if I was if I was them, I'm going somewhere warm. I'm going to a beach for a week. I'm not even thinking or even looking at a football and coming back and just like saying, all right, let's just, you know, keep it going here. But I, I'm I fascinated to see how they approach it.
1: I think there's definitely something to be said for doing that, for getting away. Coaches can't afford to do that. And that's, and they won't. Um, but I, I think the players, absolutely. Uh, I think that's part of the problem right now. Yeah. You know, I think you just, you're stuck in a situation where things have been so chaotic uh, and in the season has been so disappointing that I think getting away for a week, and going somewhere warm and and you know getting your mind off of football probably the best remedy for a lot of these guys right now come back refreshed uh, cuz I think Matt Ryan gave you a preview of whether he's playing or Nick Foles is playing or Sam Ellinger's playing or whoever's out there you know he talked about it uh, last week or week before they're putting the resume out there every week you know not so much him because he's obviously at the end of his career got one or two more years left you know he it's not so much for him these young guys if you want to spot here next year or you want to spot somewhere else next year. Other teams are watching, you know, <laughs> these games may not count in terms of your standings and your ability to go to the playoffs. But, you know, if you're a guy like Julian Blackman, for instance, is going to be a free agent here in the, in the very near future. Other teams are watching and you can step up and and make plays, you know, at a time now when, when all seems lost. I think that's something the young guys, it's important for them, you know, on a personal level, not on a team level uh on their own career level and i think what you're talking about to me that's how you get there you go and and you get away from this for a week and you come back and you look at that last month and just say you know things did not go the way we we hoped for 13 games i'm going to put the best four game stretch uh, that i possibly can on film the rest of the way
0: if you're traversing how do you fire uh how do you spend the break
1: (laughs) buying guitars
0: I was looking at a a video right now of him like leaving the locker room, going to a golf cart. Didn't say a word. You know, you know how Jim is. He is. He can't find enough cameras when they win. That was the man who looked like honestly he was leaving a funeral. George, it's gonna be a long week for him. Oh boy. Well, and
1: I think he knows. You know, he, he he got a lot of criticism for this coaching change, and it looked really good in Vegas. But everybody said, let's give it some time. Let's see what's happening. And I'm not gonna look. This isn't Jeff Saturday's fault. Everybody loves Jeff Saturday, but. I think when you go out on a limb as an owner, the way he did, uh, and then you have this kind of performance on a Sunday night and the whole country's watching. It's not going to be a good feeling.
0: Did they ever get fired from this? Like they have like basically no one left to fire, but yeah, yeah I, there's no one. I, I don't I know. I'm trying fair. to have some sort of fun here. If you're a Jim Mercer, watch your team get, you know, Matt Ryan, 35 maybe. I mean, he's on, the one.
1: Matt Ryan, maybe on the national you know, he's stage the one. Ooh, he's he's reactionary
0: guy, as we know. Yeah, I guess you're right. This you're
1: it's
0: hard day. yeah it is oh my goodness holy cow george that is for sure but hey oof, i guess we i will say i am surprised that our our picks were so far off in terms of well we didn't think they're gonna win i think what you picked them like 30 to 10 or something like that I said mm-hmm. i think it was 27 10 so we picked we picked a three score game <laughs> Still, we're not even close to those by 35. Holy cow. All right. when we well, were turning on the Blue Horseshoe pod to wrap it up. Some draft talk. Because, of course, the Colts' odds got improved in a big way in terms of climbing up. We'll tell you where they are right now after a week 13 that did, despite the loss. And a lot of fans should be rooting for a loss. It was, even though it was ugly, it had suffered through it. It's still, in the end, a good thing. But it was a good day for the Colts overall. I'll tell you why when the Blue Horseshoe pod does return. As always, make sure you are downloading, liking, and subscribing. To the Blue Horseshoe Pod or wherever you do get your podcast, trust us. While the last four weeks of the season may not be the most exciting, the good news is a lot of drama, a lot of speculation, a lot of intrigue is right around the corner, George, in large part, because draft season is coming up. The Colts have a new head coach they got to figure out. And it, despite the fact that lost by 35 points, in which they're outscored 33-0 in the fourth quarter to the Cowboys in their eventual 54-19 loss, which I just want to keep saying over and over again, just like it's still unbelievable, the final score and how it turned out. It was a good day for the Colts. It was a very good day for the Colts because as we sit here, as they pull up tank- uh, Tankathon, which at this point shows you, even at week 13, George, that is, it's saved to the search engine. So it shows you how busy that, that website has been at least for me, the last few weeks. The Colts right now at forty to one on the ninth pick. They went from 14 last week. Now they have cracked the top 10 at number nine. It was ugly again. You had to suffer through what was a brutal fourth quarter. Hopefully, for most fans, just turn it to you off, go to bed, and just say goodnight halfway through. But if you stayed to the rest, you earned your uh, you earned your stripes. That's for sure. But either way, you earned right now a top 10 pick. Colts sit there at number nine, which is huge right now for this team going forward.
1: No, absolutely. I think there were some really big wins for the Colts early in the in the day. A lot of four-win teams picking up that that fifth win. That's a number to watch. If you're a fan, uh you want as many teams out there to get the five wins as possible because the Colts won't win any tiebreakers with this tie. So, uh they're going to need teams to get five or six wins depending on how they finish this year. Uh, but right now where they're sitting with four wins, they need everybody to get the five wins, get on up into that 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 draft order. Um you know it'll be interesting to see. I think they're sitting at like you said, number nine now. Uh, so it's top 10 pick. That'd be the first time since 2018 when they took Quentin Nelson. Um, and that's, you know, the goal is going to have to be to come out of there with a difference maker. I think I'm a little bit different than a lot of the other fans are right now uh, in that I'm not hundred percent in on a quarterback. We talked about this, I think during the midweek pod uh, people want to go back and, and check that out. Um, I just don't, there's not a lot of quarterbacks in this draft class that, that I really trust as first round picks, and I'm not big on, you know, drafting the next Blaine Gabbert or Jake Locker or EJ Manuel or, you know, Christian Ponder, uh, however long you want to go with with that list. Um, So I I think you've got to get a playmaker because what you were talking about earlier, you know, very top of the show. This team right now doesn't have enough people who can erase adversity for them. Uh, and so obviously if a quarterback fits the mold then you you do it. You pull the trigger. If the guy's there, it, you're not getting yourself in position to maybe go get him. Uh, I don't think you can get up to number 1, but we'll talk about a little bit some some scenarios, you know, that, that could help him get into the top 5. Um you know, obviously if you if you really like a guy, now is definitely the time to go get him. Uh, but if not, I don't think there's anything wrong with with getting a top 10 talent on this team, whether that's an edge rusher, whether it's a left tackle who's going to play there the next You know, 15 years, whether it's a lockdown corner who can learn for a year from Stephon Gilmore and and carry on that tradition, you know, whatever that may be, uh, I I think that that's that's the most critical part of the offseason, making sure that you come out of the draft with a blue chip game changer type of player.
0: And look, I mean, we talked about this on, on you know, uh, on pods in the past. So if you haven't listened, we've done a lot of draft talk recently. Don't worry, a lot more is coming up. So if you missed anything, make sure you do, do check out. You do check out. easy for me to say. I'm sorry. It's late at night, folks. We're trying here. Um, make sure you do check out previous Blue Horseshoe pods. And when you subscribe and download, you see oh, all the episodes right there. You can catch up for sure. But one team you circled, I think, astutely, George, in the last pod that we did, the Chicago Bears, or two pods ago that we did, the Chicago Bears that's a team to watch That's a team that, you know, the Colts could really with Justin Fields playing better could, you know, possibly trade up for. And if the Texans right now sitting at number one, for whatever reason, decide Bryce Young's not our guy. I'm with, you. that's the one guy I think the Colts absolutely should jump on. That's the only guy in this draft class right now. I feel really good about. You can get to number two and just be one stupid Texas mistake away from getting Bryce Young. That's one where I think you got to circle and have yourself a chance. And, you look too, they they got, you know, the Colts got some help with the, the, the Bears lo- losing, but equally Justin Fields looking good. So, again, that kind of decreases their maybe thought of drafting a quarterback at number two. Denver lost, which means the Seattle pick that they have from the Broncos and Russell Wilson trade is now sitting at number three. Geno Smith had a great game on Sunday as well. So, again, if you're Pete Carroll, also now maybe thinking, you know, maybe we can punt on a quarterback, trade back, and get, you know, add to the team as well. So, you're looking at potentially. The team sitting at or the team sitting at pick number two in the Bears, pick number three right now in the Seahawks, both could pass on quarterbacks, which could be huge for the Colts again in terms of being trade partners. And it's so much I think it's more appetizing. Number one for the teams to go from, let's say, two to nine or three to nine than where the Colts were last uh, last week at 14. So being in the mm. top 10 is important where it's a little easier to trade. And maybe it's not a lot, but I think the price does decrease a little bit when it comes to trading assets if you were to make the move. So I think overall, it was a, like I said, it was a pretty good day for the Colts. They got into the number nine pick. And the two teams that you are, you know, could possibly trade up with if there's a chance to get a Bryce Young or, or another quarterback that they fall in love with, both had quarterbacks play well and both had their, you know, the pick loose. And I said they were two and three. I think all in all, a really good day.
1: Another key element. If the Colts front office stays in 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 tact, uh, in the offseason, I'm having trouble thinking now too as, as we get into the, the early morning hours here. Uh, but if that if, if everything stays in place with the Colts front office, which is a big if, and we'll see how that goes in the offseason, there are connections with both of those teams as well. I mean, Chicago's got Ryan Poles, who has history from his Kansas City days with Chris Ballard, and then obviously Ed Dodds has history out there in Seattle. Work with John Schneider, work with Pete Carroll. Uh, that uh, Those are not small elements in this. You've got some prior history with these front offices. Um, they both might be looking at, at adding multiple pieces instead of just one because they have their quarterbacks. It, it, it could fall into place pretty nicely here for Indianapolis.
0: And nothing to watch. I mean, it's a name I've thrown out a few times, but I think now especially it, it bears repeating on this Sunday specifically is Trey Lance. Did Jimmy G break his foot in the game against the Dolphins, he's out for the rest of the year. Now it's gonna be the Brock Purdy show. I don't know if that will lead Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch to be more inclined to maybe chase a guy like Tom Brady in the offseason and bring him in. I don't know if that makes them you know easy for them to double down on on Trey Lance. There was some talk um and discussion at least this past week of oh, maybe Jimmy G is playing his way into kind of keeping the job in San Francisco. I think that kind of takes a huge blow. But again, that's a guy that is available. You're sitting there at pick number nine, number eight, maybe. I think it does, you know, it could work out in, in the Colts' favor. If that's a guy, if they like Trey Lance, and say better than anyone else outside of Bryce Young. Again, when you're sitting there inside the top ten, just it gives you more options, George. And that's really what the Colts, you know, at the end of the day, that's what in the drive thing. It's gonna be the overall theme we talk about for the next three, four, or five months is gonna be options. I think that's gonna really be assuming this is Chris Ballard's, you know, call here, and he's gonna sit with the GM at the end of the uh end of the season going to the offseason. You need the Colts right now to have as many options as possible because, as you started the show and and talking about, this Colts team has holes. They have holes at important positions. And so you need options to where, even if it's not quarterback in round one, you still need other ways to be able to make this team better. And you need other ways to, in order to acquire top talent. And again, the higher the draft pick you have, it just gives you more. It gives you more chances to either make a trade, trade up. You know, have things fall your way. Like, it just puts you in a better position overall. So, that's, you know, uh, again, it helps, right, and why being in the top 10 specifically is so important.
1: One other kind of angle with San Francisco that I think is interesting, not so much from gaining a quarterback, but maybe from gaining some cap space, Kyle Shanahan had a really good year with Matt Ryan. So, if Garoppolo is, is off the table for them and they want somebody to come in and be an insurance policy for Trey Lance, maybe they're somebody who would take on Matt Ryan's contract. I don't know. They've got some cap issues, so it's hard to say. Uh, but there is history there, which also made me think of one other thing that we didn't mention off the top. I just wanted to say this before we go out. You know, we talked about Matt Ryan having his worst game in in the second segment here. Dan Quinn probably had something to do with that. Uh, you know, yeah. the fact that Dan Quinn the defense coordinator over there on on the Dallas side, he knows Matt Ryan as well as anyone in, in the NFL. Five years with him there in Atlanta. I think uh, tip of the cap to Dan Quinn, a potential Colts head coaching candidate.
0: I was gonna. He made quite the case, huh? He made quite the case, forcing five turnovers. Again, a few near misses as well. At times, confusing Matt Ryan, confusing the Colts offensive line. Now, the one thing. Well, and how about we end on a positive, George? Because again, with how bad this was, maybe we'll just end on on a light note or, or at least a, a good note here. I thought the Colts offensive line, all things considered, played a, a really good game for the most part. Yeah, had Jonathan Taylor get some rushing lanes, especially early on in the first half that, you know, we saw some longer runs. We haven't really seen so much this season. Matt Ryan had some time. He sacked three times in the game. Uh, but for the most part, again, when you're talking about the league leader in sacks uh, as a team and the Cowboys coming in with, I think it was 45 sacks or 47 on the season. Getting only three is pretty solid. Micah Parsons was invisible. Like that was the guy we thought he'd have 10 sacks. You know, going against the likes of Matt Pryor, who actually played way more than I ever anticipated, uh, filling in for Braden Smith. But it was Dennis Kelly and Matt Pryor kind of doing a tag team there at right tackle. Look at that compared to, you know, again, a third-round rookie at left tackle. I would say all things considered, this outfits line, it's slow and small. Improvement's Georgia again it gets overshadowed when you lose the way you did, and you have five turnovers and you get with 54 points. But I, I would say it's again another small step in the right direction for this team, and it's kind of what we talked about when Je- uh, when Jeff Saturday was hired. Mm-hmm. If by nothing else, forget wins, forget you know intensity and spirited play, this offense line just continues to get better under Jeff Saturday's reign in, in the eight games he's here uh, in India's head coach. Massive win, and he I would say job uh, job accomplished for Jeff Saturday.
1: I was gonna say I was gonna give you tip of the cap there because you said that the week he was hired. You know, I don't care what his record is. I don't care how anything goes over the the next eight games. If Jeff Saturday fixes the offensive line, it's worth it. And and I think um, he's moving in that direction. You know, it's not fixed, uh, but they definitely have been better, I think, each week that that he's been here. And hopefully, you know, there's some things that they've learned. I know they've talked about different tips of the trade that that, that they've picked up that they can carry on with them next year. And maybe that's, you know, I'm grasping at at straws earlier for – for what kind of carryover there is for 2023. Maybe that's it. The offensive line, if they can get some confidence under them and they can come out next season and, and build on this and have a good season, that in and of itself would go a long way toward turning things around for this football team.
0: Absolutely. Cause like we've said before, in a large part of this year, right? If, they, if you can't have an offensive line block, you don't really have an offense, and so slowly. Sure. Maybe not as as you know, much of uh increase as you like at at the pace, but either way, again, if it's slow building, so you can carry some things to the offseason, major win, major, major, major win for the Colts right here. Uh, coming off of a 35 point loss. It's funny, it's hard to put major win um, when coming off of again a, a 54-19 loss, but we did it twice when it comes to draft stock and now when it or draft status. And now when it comes to this out line play. So look at that. We're going to find ways to be optimistic here. Not just for optimistic sake, but just to keep everyone from going crazier and just having all all doomsday um, around this team. Uh, Because right now, they give you no reason for hope, George. So we're going to try to provide the hope for you. Uh, Talking about a team that, as again, has just sucked it all out of you. That's for sure. Coming off of a 54-19 loss on Sunday night football to the Dallas Cowboys. The Colts are now 4-8-1. So it is a bye week coming up this week so it's going to be a little different blue horseshoe pod we will have just one podcast this week will it will be released on wednesday it's going to be like a state of the union this is going to be a very interesting state of the union george if you will kind of just going over everything with this team so far that we've seen for the first 13 weeks but kind of taking you know a bigger look a a step back and addressing so far kind of and maybe trying to answer some of the questions we asked earlier in the pod of why is this team got like you know what has gone wrong what position groups can we point to that is you know been good been bad that need improvement it's kind of just going to be an overall dress of this Colts team through 13 weeks so that will be um mostly painful I will say when you're doing kind of a, a post-mortem while the, the team is still alive if you will but uh that should be very interesting so we'll get that out to you again on Wednesday uh but otherwise enjoy the week off uh enjoy not having a, a weekend filled with Colts deployment whatsoever so that could be that could be good whether it's just watching football i tell the Colts whether it's you know, hanging out with the family, doing what, what you know, your husband or wife wants to do, whatever it is, the Colts will not ruin your weekend. So, with that said, George, that's a win. Well, oh, that's a third major win. We're going into a week where the Colts cannot ruin it. How about that?
1: Can't beat it. Can't beat <laughs> it. Enjoy the bye uh, and, and just take your mind off football for a little while.
0: Ah. Uh. Enjoy the bye. Enjoy the time off, folks. We'll talk to you on Wednesday. I appreciate, as always, you listening, especially if you're making it this late for this Colts After Dark pod. You really are a diehard fan, and we do appreciate you listening right here. So have a great bye week. We'll talk to you Wednesday right here on the Blue Horseshoe pod.